You're listening to the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Now it's time for our host, Nate Manson. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson, your host, here with you, of course, as always, with my brother Aaron. What's up, everyone? And we are continuing this week with our journey through the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500, the first one. And uh, we're going to continue that. The only thing that uh, I'll mention at the beginning of the show is as we start recording this show this week... It was just announced on AEW Rampage that CM Punk has already has to relinquish the AEW World Championship. Apparently, he got a broken foot. So, that is, you know, kind of a setback for them. But, I mean, it's not like, not like it makes a difference in the ratings anyway. The ratings have stayed the same no matter who's on top. But, kind of a bummer for Punk. You know, he just won the title. And... uh if anybody follows me, they're going to know that I didn't know CM Punk was the AW champion. So. <laughs> yeah, I do think you should, if you have not, the one thing I will recommend to you is to go out of your way to watch the MJF promo from from Dynamite. Yeah, I was probably going to do that tomorrow. It's uh, The show itself this week wasn't anything to write home about, but that promo was fantastic. Yeah, I'll probably watch it tomorrow. All right, so anyway, like I said, going through... The uh, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the first one from 1991. Last week, we left off with a mystery humongous at 312. Yes, which, I mean, if people don't know, the, the, the PWI 1991, like 500, is mainly the 1990 500. Just, yeah. I mean, splitting hairs or whatever, but... It so ranks if you hear a name and you're like that guy sucked in '91 or <laughs> he was gone. It's like well, that's because they were basing it off what he did last year. Yeah, the magazine the magazine came out in October, and I'm sure the list because magazines again were, um, you know, it's not as quick to print as something instant on the internet. I'm sure they kind of went from June to June. I'm assuming you know, from June yeah. of '90 to June of '91. That would be my assumption around that time frame. We got three eleven. Start off with Fabulous Lance, 6'2", 287 years pro, formerly known as Lance Von Erich in the world-class area, shoeless high-flying style, has competed in South Africa recently, incredible physique and stamina. Lance Von Erich. This is the Von Erich cousin, huh? Mm-hmm. That everybody was like, you're not a Von Erich. And I love it when he left and Fritz was like, well, we just, you know, we... Lied to us. Yeah. He he essentially apologized for his own shitty promotional tactic, <laughs> but saying that the guy lied. Yeah, yeah, putting it on the other, put, putting it on because of Von Eric. Yeah, putting it on the talent. <laughs> it's so too you bad you didn't know this cat wasn't related to you. Right. It's too like bad that uh, old. too bad that Fritz didn't have genealogy dot com or whatever back yeah. in nineteen eighty eight. I would have been like, hey, you know, I know he's not related to us. And they're like, how? I'd be like, he doesn't look like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Actually, right. actually kind of handsome. 
Like, he didn't want us. And he wasn't a bad worker. He just got, yeah. you know, he was fine. Number 310, Soldat Ustinov. Huge Russian brawler captured the AWA tag team title with Boris Zukov in 1987, has resurfaced in independent organizations famous for array of nerve holds. I haven't seen a lot of him. I don't watch a lot of AWA. I know yeah. he existed. I've seen him, but. When somebody says that he is known for his massive array of nerve holds, that in translation is this guy is boring. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. 309, Akio Sato, six foot, 238, 12 years pro. Veteran Japanese star has just returned to the WWF to team with Kato and Pat Tanaka in the Orient Express. Also a star at SWS, not above hurling salt into his foe's eyes. Yes. Sato, the the original guy that teamed with Pat Tanaka as the Midnight Express. Yes. Um, good wrestler. He also returned later on to be Shinja, the manager yes. of Hakushi. Hakushi's manager. Which I like underrated gimmick. Yes. And I also liked both. I was a fan of both iterations of the Orient Express. Like, I I know that we I know that we dog on them being as it's 1994 in the ECW podcast, but I I liked Bad Company as a tag team. I did too, and it's not that okay. We dogged on them that it's 94 and it's whatever, but I don't think any of us ever dogged on the fact that they were good workers, right? I mean, it was more of the more of the angle they were in and the whatever, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, both iterations of the Orient Express. Cool in my book. Um, number 308, the guy who was a big deal in our stomping grounds in Toledo, Ohio, Greg Wojcikowski, the great, great Wojo. Wojo. Six foot, 245, 10 years pro, former amateur champion, went on to great success in the WWA, an NCAA title holder at the University of Ohio, feuded with Scott Steiner in 1986, semi-active now. Yep, I think I he's trained Scott, I think, because Scott trained in Toledo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Wojo probably trained him and then worked with him. And um, he was a... I'm a, I think he's still alive, but he was a, uh, a gym coach and or gym teacher or whatever at Whitmer. I think. Wasn't yes, that? I think it was Whitmer. Yeah, but uh, he was also. I mean, he was. He was a. I don't. I mean, I remember because we did. It was funny. The 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 Bruiser or the the WWA shows. The Bruiser shows. I think Bruiser promoted that. We would get off and on, like on Channel 56 from Detroit. It would be on our cable in Toledo, Channel 56 Fox from Detroit. They would like, they would air that show, but it was never weekly or anything. It was like, it would be on one week and then for a month or two, you wouldn't see it. And then it would be on again, you know. And and Wojo is one of those guys that if, it, if, if like, you're, we were kids, and you told some adult, like, oh, I like wrestling. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, great Wojo. Yeah. I know the great Wojo. The great Wojo, yes. <laughs> great Wojo. I mean, probably did, but, yeah, I mean, he was kind of a local legend. And um, it was like great Wojo, uh, Tony Paco's, and MASH. And that's, yeah. you know, right there. <laughs> and Jeep. And Jeep. 
Like, um, and he is on all the time on some channel in Toledo. Yes. And then he'd be like, oh, Jamie Farr went to this school. He went to our school. I know. And then or, he sat in that. Well, Woodward. I went to Woodward. Yes. I couldn't remember if you went there, if you were here by high school. But anyway. I went to Woodward. Um, and he is still alive because recently, well, I don't know how recently it was. I mean, it was it was fairly recent when I listened to it, but not too long ago, he was actually did an interview on Dave Dynasty's podcast. So, yes, he is still alive and kicking. Probably probably oldest book. <laughs> 307, Nelson Royal. Speaking of old as fuck, at this point, he was old as fuck. 5'8", 215, 36 years pro. Good Lord. In 1991, veteran is still light heavyweight champion of ACW wrestling. Has also held similar titles in WCW. A most among among the most respected grapplers of our time, Nelson Royal. I don't have a lot to say about Nelson Royal. I don't either. <laughs> not not dogging him. I just it's a it's a name before my time. You know what I mean? Yeah. The next guy I watched uh, when I watched a bunch of Continental last year on the recommendation of, of Chad Austin, because originally I only re- remembered this guy myself as a jobber for WCW. He's a, He was a really good worker. My observation is he's goofy looking, though, is Johnny Rich. Yeah, six, foot two, six foot 235, 15 years pro, cousin of Tommy Rich, has forged an outstanding career in his own right. Recently returned to WCW, former Continental Wrestling Commissioner, Great drop kick. Johnny Rich is goofy looking. I mean, yeah, I don't know. He's I mean he was a he was a fine wrestler. He just I don't know, could look yeah. kind of derpy, I guess. <laughs> just look like a dude. Number three oh five is John Rambo. Six two two sixty four years pro. Patriotic Charlotte native has returned to Pacific Northwest. All out gung ho military style, obviously. Successful in recent bouts in Japan and Europe. I don't know if I've ever seen a John Rambo match. I remember John Rambo from the magazines, like being an Otto Schwanz or Otto Otto Schwanz, Otto Wands promotion in Germany. I think it was like a Corporal Kushner ripoff. If I remember, if I if I'm remembering his image, he kind of had the Corporal Kushner, Mm -hmm. obviously because he's Rambo or whatever. But uh, right, gimmick's dead, buddy. He battled Cannonball Grizzly in Germany, who was PN News. Yeah. 304, Dragon Master, 6'2", 248, 21 years pro. Japanese veteran is currently part of the independent scene. Formerly a member of Gary Hart's rule-breaking stable in WCW. Knows karate and jujitsu. Is Dragon Master Kendo Nagasaki? Uh, or was he, did he team with Kendo Nagasaki? He team with it. He wasn't Kendo Nagasaki. Um... Yeah, he he was also like, like you said, he was in that J Tex or whatever. That, that weird time in WCW where like the Horsemen were faces, but they were heels. And yeah, with J Tex, and yeah, it was a big clusterfuck. Um, it it's funny because it kind of I don't know. It, it that was a that was a. 90, 1990 and early 91 was a rough period for WCW yeah. creatively. Well, he was he was also in the match where um, Doug Dillinger broke Sting. <laughs> yeah. the champions. Mm-hmm. Where, where Ole does that fucking awesome promo about, you know, you're not a horseman. 
Yeah. But this guy said we're not going to – he vouched for you. I'm telling you, you're not a horseman anymore. That 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 you that's left the barn, but you you can still it's give still up. The shot. You can still give up. You can still save yourself and give up the shot because this man has compassion for you. Like, like, if you guys don't know what we're talking about. You need to watch it. It's it's fantastic. And then yes. by the, it starts out. It's going to be fantastic gangbusters, and then Doug Dillinger fucking hurts thing. <laughs> <laughs> 303 is Mike Miller, 6'3", 265, 11 years pro, Burley, New Orleans native, recently returned to the Pacific Northwest with a difference. Shocked fans by becoming a scientific star, a powerful as powerful as anyone in PNW. I, I don't know. No idea. Number 302, Bob Bradley, 6'2", 248 years pro, the Catman is best known to fans as as a WWF TV wrestler, but he's much better than that. A former world-class Texas champion, strong but very quick and agile. Bob Bradley. Um, uh, sorry, I, I was thinking that was somebody else. You're, you're good. Go ahead. Number 301, Bobby Blair. 6'3", 275, two years pro, a bright light among an unusually strong crop of Pacific Northwest newcomers. Exceptionally strong, but hasn't forsaken Matt, hasn't forsaken Matt Skills, top contender to the PNW title. I don't know who that is. I don't either. <laughs> a lot of Portland guys in this little chunk here. Yeah. 300, Brad Batten. We talked about uh, Bart Batten in the last episode. 5'10", 229, 10 years pro. He and twin Bart have been a successful duo in Texas and the World Wrestling Council. Fast as lightning, not large, but was a successful rule breaker for a while. I don't know what more we can say than we said last time. Nope. 299, Ron Bass. 6'4", 285, 13 years pro. Maniacal Texan competes sporadically in Florida, best known to, by WWF fans for his bloody feud with Brutus Beefcake in 1988, former Florida champion. I like Ron Bass, except when they turned him babyface. Yeah, when he's like, he's baby. Ron Bass is not a babyface. Like, like I'm watching Mid Atlantic, you know, and it's like, eh, he's he would be much better, much better. Like, I'd rather watch him fight Jake Roberts than team with Jake Roberts. Yeah, and. Um, but he wasn't, he wasn't bad. And like, like he's like, they said in there, he had that, he had that few with beefcake that was notorious because he cut him with the spur and mm-hmm. the WWF put up the, it looked like the X from a uh, family feud. Yeah. Like when they would get a question wrong on the family feud, I just remember that it looks like that same X. They put that over to, to censor beefcake bleeding on WWF television. Yeah. I mean that was good stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard saying that about something involving beefcake, but it was good stuff. And, and like, I mean, and Ron I wasn't—he wasn't like you know, gonna give you like a thirty-five-minute classic or whatever. But he was. And a I know hand. you. He's a hand. You know I know I mean? you don't. I know you don't like Black Bart, but I actually like Black Bart and Bass as a tag team with JJ as their manager. Um. I thought they were good in that respect, and but unfortunately, like I said, it turned into his his babyface turn, which I did not like. Yeah. Two ninety eight, Mark Rocco, light heavyweight known as Rollerball. Yeah, Rollerball Rocco is one of Great Britain, Britain's most popular stars. Has been the British Junior Heavyweight Champion several times. You actually know more about British wrestling than I do. 
Well, I mean, I don't know the history of it or anything, but but like I like watching the matches and shit. And Rollerball was he was really good. Um, he wasn't like the biggest guy in the world or anything like that. But a lot of British guys weren't. But he 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 just did a strong style British type wrestling. I I, I shouldn't say strong style, like. He wrestled like a like a William it, to put it in perspective like a William Regal type guy, mm-hmm. but he was he was flashy and good. I, I liked him. I, I enjoyed him. I was gonna say that, and like I said, I, I have to I have to plead that I don't. I haven't seen a lot of him. I've seen some. I'm and like you said, I'm not exactly an expert on British pro wrestling history, but it seems to me that almost you know if you would say. Because of because of his popularity, not necessarily his re- wrestling skills. If you would say that Big Daddy was the Hulk Hogan of British wrestling, you know, yeah. or that that Mark Rocco might be what like a Randy Savage, yeah, of British wrestling, yeah. I'm just trying to put it in perspective of how you know the level of star that they were in that country. Yeah, that might be accurate and the style and shit like that. I just I enjoyed him. Um, it, it British wrestling, like it was, it was weird. Like, like the guys were still flashy and shit, but then when the matches would happen, it would be like good solid rounds and shit. But like mm-hmm. they were still, they were still characters, characters. Like, if you want to watch some crazy, like, Fit Finley was fucking awesome. <laughs> like, he was awesome here, too. Don't get me wrong. But over there, he was fucking awesome. Like, he had his, like, Indian manager, like, his, his princess manager with him. She was, like, an, she dressed like an Indian. <clears throat> and he'd come out and he'd have, like, like suit, like a, like a jacket on but then he'd have like a like a, a flamboyant hat with a big feather. <laughs> it's like cool shit. Like, it, it's it's worth you guys if you don't watch a lot of world of sports stuff. It's worth watching the matches. Like like there's goofy gimmicks and now did he go? Did did Finley go by Finley the uh, Dave Finley there? Or did he go by Belfast Bruiser? Oh, he was Dave Finley. Okay, David Fit Finley. And he'd come out to like disco tracks. I think I watched one where he came out to like hot stuff. <laughs> yeah, with his feather in it and shit is awesome. All right. Up next, number 297, a guy I actually mentioned last week when we were talking about the names, Brian Adias. That's what it is here. 6'1", 238, 12 years pro, former world-class star, recently returned as part of GWF, a smooth, classy competitor who rarely makes a mental mistake, even when outsized. And that's what I said last week, the mystery of. Is it Brian Adias or is it Brian Adidas? <laughs> because you heard you hear it both ways. I know it's Adidas, but I just think it's funny. Like at times on the Krylon, it would even say Brian Adidas. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't a, a lot of attention to detail in wrestling back then with shit like that. Like, how do you how, like prime example is like I don't remember what pay-per-view it is, but Rick Flair's coming out and they're going to spell his name with fucking lasers and they put a K on it. It's like, mm. what the hell? Is that, um, that's a, I think it's a Starcade. Yeah, I can't remember which one it is though. But anytime I'd see like a K on Ric Flair's name, I'm like, really? 
Why wasn't that person fired? Yeah. <laughs> why didn't somebody go like earlier in the day? Cause it's like, he had to set that shit up and like, he doesn't have a K on his name. Like Rick Blair <laughs> isn't going to look at that. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't right. give a shit about the fucking laser. He's more worried about his fucking match, but like Jim Crockett isn't like, Hey, we don't. We, it's never been spelled with a K never since like 1972. It's never been spelled with a K ever. <laughs> Two ninety six Motor City Madman six four three twenty five years pro huge Mahler was in Polly Dangerous was a Polly Dangerously discovery. Began his career under the manager's guidance in the WWF. What? What? That's got. They must have meant WCW. Yeah, that's not a thing. Resurfaced in WCW in 1990, now in WWC. So he went to Puerto Rico. Yes. Um, I knew. I know nothing of his career outside of that little stint in WCW, to be honest with you. With he, he was with the big cat going after Lex Luger. Yeah. Paulie found him in a pool hall. Like, Paulie, if, if you want to put, like, the equivalent on it of something you guys might know, um, Motor City Matt... I don't know why I just thought of this. Motor City Madman, I think, was the prototype in Polly's mind of what he eventually did with 911. 911. Yeah. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Kind of a big thick guy with a mullet. Yeah. You know, the the leather vest. Yeah, like don't do much. Like yeah. Polly's like, don't don't you you can't work. Like <laughs> <laughs> Suck. You can't work, but, so don't try. But let, let's just accentuate what you can do, and that's mm-hmm. some big power moves. Get in, get out. You know, and then he finally was able to do what he wanted with that idea and put nine one one on it. Mm-hmm. Two ninety five. We discussed his brother last week, Larry Power, six two, three hundred pounds, five years pro, identical twin of brother David, is a member of the Power Twins. Trained by Dr. D. David Schultz and Bobby Bold Eagle, pure brutality is his game. The Power Twins. And funny guys. 294 is Crush. 6'6", 315, five years pro. Huge brawler teamed with Smash in the final edition of Demolition. Now holds the PNW tag title with Steve Dahl. Suddenly a favorite after years of mauling. At one point... uh... Taker's best friend mm-hmm. and um, I listened to uh, a long long time ago like before I stopped listening to Pritchard um, uh, Conrad was talking to him and man, Adams always had a spot there because not only like not just because he was like friends with Taker or whatever mm-hmm. but um, he was a guy that Vince just liked like not in the fact of oh I, I like I think he's the greatest wrestler in the world or ever or whatever, but like Brian Adams was just a good dude, mm-hmm. and uh, and like I, I haven't heard a lot of times where Vince is like that, you know, like oh he's just a nice guy yeah well a pleasure to be around let's just let's just keep finding like that's why they kept finding shit for him yeah you know? it's kind of like is it it and and it's not the same because what I, it, it kind of is the same it's like. He's kind of like a Glenn Jacobs. Yeah. Where this is just a good dude. Everybody he shows up for work. Shows up to work. Everybody likes him. You know, 
Mm-hmm. The only difference he had from Glenn is that he had fucking demons, you know, yeah. to where eventually Vince couldn't overlook that. But that's why he was just always around because Vince is like, "That's a guy's a good. He's a good fucking. He's a good citizen. Keep him. Uh, keep him in the show. Like keep him. Well, in the, keep him in the locker room. Everybody fucking likes him. Does whatever he asks him to do. He's just a nice guy." Well, and you mentioned his demons. Vince liked him so much. Vince even hired him and then used his demons as part of his gimmick. Yeah. This and, man, he didn't say what, but, you know, this man was arrested in Hawaii. He didn't say he was arrested in Hawaii for having a bunch of coke in his house. But, <laughs> yeah. But, he, you know, they worked it into a gimmick for him. Yeah. You know, so. Everything I've ever heard about Brian Adams was that he was just a, a good-natured dude. Just to be, like, he essentially just a happy Hawaiian guy that just everybody liked having around. Like, hey, man, brother, what's up? You know? Yeah, that's well, that's another thing I was going to say is, I don't know if it was Barry. It might have been Barry Darso on one of the demolition shoot interviews said that that's why they gave him the Kona Crush gimmick because the Kona Crush gimmick was the closest to his actual personality. Yeah. You know, like, Shaka, brother, how you doing, man? It's good to see you, everybody. I got to see the fans tonight, brother. You know, just kind of that was that was the closest thing to his actual personality. And. And, and and this isn't obviously this isn't a dis- part of the discussion for 1991, but initially, I actually dug his heel turn against Savage. That was a great angle. Yeah, and a great feud. The the blow off sucked, mm-hmm. but like but that, the, should, you know, that should have just been a fucking false count anywhere match. Yeah, yeah, because that finish fell so flat. Yeah, but um. Just a good, and there's another thing too. Like, like if Randy Savage loved the guy too, you know what I mean. So you're in a locker room, you're in the WWF locker room, all right. And the Undertaker and Randy Savage are like this guy's, this guy's aces. Yeah, aces. If those two dudes vouch for you. You're fucking, you're fucking gold. <laughs> like Savage was. This is gonna sound. I don't know if this is gonna sound smart or dumb or whatever. And I obviously wasn't in the locker room, but I'm assuming Savage was the taker of the locker room before he left. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. then when Savage left. All right, now it's 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 take now. Yeah. So if both of those guys are vouching for you, and Vince is like, "Good dude," yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna say. He had, he had, what he had that Greg Helms thing, you know, like in 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 two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four. Gregory Helms was all over WWE because The Rock liked him, Hunter liked him. You know, Shawn Michaels liked him. Everybody that everybody that was ever going to be around Vince and and Vince liked him. You know, he just it, so he got he got to be there. And he got to be on TV. They always worked him. They always figured him in. And the, and the only reason he left, from what I know, is he's he's one of the guys. He's one of the two guys. It was Rude and Adams that were just they they didn't like the screw job and they said yep. fuck I'm I'm out. Mm-hmm. They're gonna if they can do it to if they can do it to Brett they can do it to me. Right, and I don't need it because they told those guys anybody wants to fucking leave, you can leave. You can yeah. leave. 
Number 293 is El Santo, not the old one. 56199 years pro. Son of the legendary Mexican grappler El Santo. The original El Santo was so popular that a sh- that a shrine was erected around his gravesite, which Mexicans still visit. So obviously his son wasn't that good, seeing as the description of his son was pretty much about his father. <laughs> yeah, and by the time he got to WCW, they made him take his mask off and go by his real name. Larry Santo. Larry Santo. <laughs> Number 292 is Killer. Six foot, 255, six years pro, forms a solid unit with fellow, ugh, so, <laughs> with fellow mass masked man, psycho, Gross. as vastly underrated Texas hangman tag team. Brutal duo has captured the WWC and USWA tag championships in the last year. So we talked about them. Killers DMs are, are legendary. <laughs> Number 291 is Yoshihiro Asai. 58175 2 years pro best of the new breed of flying japanese stars comes up with maneuvers beyond description perhaps the most graceful grappler to hit the scene in years i don't know who this is i don't either number 290 one of aaron's favorites i don't know if he's is he in the hall of shame you'll have to tell me i don't remember 290 van hammer uh he he's not yet mm, might be this year though 68 <laughs> 320, one-year pro, yet another mountain of a man invades the sport. Build and style very similar to Sid Justice began in Georgia, but has been negotiating with WCW for a debut there. So he has not yet hit WCW. He is not. Um, And he's also a fucking scumbag. Um, Yep. um, We'll just, um, if you don't mind, I'll just read his shit here. All right. Yeah. Uh, on January 26, 2020, Van Hammer was arrested in Palm Beach County, Florida, and charged with a DUI and first-degree felony hit and run. Van Hammer, which they're calling him Hedrith, but Van Hammer was reported reportedly reported to be driving at 58 miles an hour in a 35 zone when he hit a five-year-old child who was riding his bike. The, the child reportedly flew onto the hood of Van Hammer's car and suffered internal injuries, but ultimately survived. On May 2020, uh, Van Hammer pleaded guilty, guilty to both charges and resulted in a sentence of one year. This is bullshit. Um, he got one year of probation and one year of driver's license. Like basically they took his license away for a year and took his and gave him one year of probation. He had a fucking kid on his bike. <laughs> and they were just like, eh. The year of probation. You, your probation, you, can't, you can't drive for a year. Like, you but, fucking kidding me? Man, shitty human, shitty wrestler, Van Hammer. Yeah. Number 289, another guy with the, uh, here we go, back to the guys with the mystery name things. Wahoo McDaniel, or is it Wahoo McDaniels? McDaniel. <laughs> Yes, I know. 5'11", 280, 30 years pro. Native American Indian star announced his retirement in 89, but has recently competed in SAPW and and the revived AWA, famous for Tomahawk Chops, former U.S. champ. What can you say? Wahoo, one of the most badass wrestlers of all time. Yeah, I don't fucking remember how many miles he ran 
because they said he couldn't do it for a fucking 12 pack. I think it was like 35 miles or some shit. <laughs> like Flair says that that is the baddest ass son of a bitch that's ever fucking walked the earth. Like, like he puts him over and it's no disrespect, but he puts him over Harley on fucking toughness. Like mm-hmm. just, just badassery. And, um, like he was like, he didn't take shit from wives. Like if why, if a wife gave him shit, he was like, fuck off out of here. Like, <laughs> I don't need like one argument. He's just like, fuck off. We're getting a divorce. <laughs> um, and one of my favorite stories that Ric Flair ever told was Wahoo was apparently they were in wherever, wherever he retired to and lived or whatever. Um, WCW did a show there and Wahoo wanted to take his grandson to the show, but he's fucking Wahoo McDaniel. So he figured I'm just going to show up, meet the boys, shake hands. And he wanted to take his grandson to like meet all the fucking wrestlers, you know, like he's right. like, probably, probably like, I've been telling my kid, my grandkids about me being a wrestler for all these years and fucking WCW showing up, you know, and, he tried to walk in and like some security guy was like, giving him shit. Like this is only for this is only, this entrance is only for the wrestlers. And the guy had no idea who Wahoo McDaniel was. And Flair said it was just happenstance that he was walking by and like wa- heard Wahoo kind of not being disrespectful, but giving the guy kind of the business of like, like, you know who the fuck uh, I am? Well, he was, he said Wahoo wasn't even trying to do that. Cause his grandkid was there, you know? Mm-hmm. He was trying to explain to him who he was. And Flair said he just happened to walk by and was like, he told that security guy, he's like, hey, I'll do respect, buddy. This is Wahoo McDaniel. You're going to go ahead and let him in. <laughs> by the end of it, like his grandkid wound up with like a fucking ton of T-shirts and pictures and autographs and shit. Flair's like, I'd hate to know what happened if I hadn't walked by at that moment. Like, <laughs> he was like, he was basically like, Wahoo was being cool with the guy. But he was like, I, I think if it would have went a little bit longer, <laughs> yeah, to a point, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just one of my, it's one of my favorites, like wrestling backstage stories I ever heard. I <laughs> walked by right at that moment, and was like, this guy's fucking giving Bobby the business. And he's like, he's like that security guy has no idea. No how idea. <laughs> Number two eighty eight, Rufus R. Jones. Good Lord. I'm not a fan of Rufus R. Jones, but promo-wise, I can see why he was over. Yeah. Um, I think... I don't want to speak wrong. Yeah, he had... Um, do you know who his kid was? Slick? Yep. yep. I'm not sure. I, I, I couldn't remember if it was... Like, he was in a if he was his actual son or if he was an adopted child, I think it was his actual son, but yeah. Slick is the son of Rufus R. Jones. Slick Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Also the father of grace. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But uh, there we go. Number 287, Corporal Kirshner. 6'1", years pro. Entered the WWF in 1984 with with great fanfare. But fell out of league within two years. Former member of the U.S. Army Airborne Division, recently entered the UWF for the first time. Bad oh, attitude. 
Oh, Corporal Kirshner. I from everything I ever heard, just a he was a guy that if he didn't like what was going on, he just said fuck it and would bounce. Sergeant Slaughter's replacement. They tried to replace Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. Well, everybody, I have a surprise for Aaron and a pleasant surprise probably for our listeners to join us here in the We Can't Wrestle podcast. It's Kyle Army. <laughs> what? <laughs> How the fuck? <laughs> How is everything? You can't disappear for seven and a half years. <laughs> but I do. And then just be like, hey, I'm back. <laughs> I'm going to sell out the fucking Allstate Arena when I do, though. <laughs> Kyle's back. <laughs> Tell a friend. <laughs> Welcome back, Mr. Army. Oh, how are we doing, guys? We are, I don't know if you have been keeping up, but we are actually currently going through, we've done like three episodes already. We're doing 90 minutes a week, and we're going through the first Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500. Oh, and like eight more podcasts have ballooned out of, the, ballooned out of this, and fucking people died and got married and everything. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I've been super fucking busy lately. We can still cuss, right? Fuck yes. Okay, cool. I'm super fucking busy. <laughs> How uh, long does it take to paint a fence? No, like, Kyle, <laughs> while, while, you, while you were gone, we didn't get woke. No worry. You can still cuss here. Super busy is like, hey, I had to take a couple shows off. Yeah, like I said, I just I, I kind of went through that, uh, that whole midlife crisis trying to find out the fuck I'm going to do with my life. Because uh, I don't want to fucking stay in a factory for the rest of my life, so. <laughs> it only took you seven and a half years to figure it out. <laughs> no, it's, not, it's nice to have you back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice to be back. Um, yeah, so uh, where are we at in the PW500? We're about to do 286. 286. Rocky Johnson. Really? Six- 6'2", 244, 27 years pro. Veteran has competed all over the world. Brother is former Canadian champ Ricky Johnson. Soul Man, among the first to blend strength and aerial skills. I don't think Ricky Johnson's a real brother. I mean, he's a brother. He's a brother. I mean, but he's not actually oh, Ricky Johnson. He's brother. not The Rock's uncle. Let's put it yeah. that way. Not yet, because it's only like one family. <laughs> a moment. The Soul Man, though, very charismatic, very over in Georgia and the WWF back in the day. Um, I, I it, it surprises me he's that high or that low on the list or high on the list. And but in '91, he wasn't really that active. Yeah, I guess that's the case. I guess from there's just to me there's certain guys. And he's one of them. And like Junkyard Dog's another one. That like no matter no matter what anybody else does through the, the history of professional wrestling, Ronson's another one. Like I mean, these guys helped change the world. I mean, you're you're talking about the South and wrestling. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a better fucking racist, you know. Right. And people are like, you know what? I don't like black people, but I like that junkyard dog. <laughs> it's like Bobo Brazil. Yeah. You know? um, 
20 years in the business, and it's Hobo Brazier. Hobo Brazier. <laughs> uh, it's a fucking great story. Um, Johnson um, was a really good wrestler, really good, really good worker, um, charismatic, everything. Um, always kind of heard he wasn't like the the greatest human being in the world, but um, can't deny his wrestling. Um, and pr- I, he probably would have had a different career if him and Tony Atlas got along. Cause mm-hmm. that was the problem when they put the belts on him that Tony and Rick and, and Rocky did not, did not dig each other. Is there anybody that gets along with Tony Atlas? Chad Austin. Does he? Mm-hmm. I Everything I've ever seen about Tony Atlas, people are like, fucking dude is... Like, he'll show you the video of a woman stepping on his head in high heels. It's just a weird dude. Just a weird dude. Daddy Long likes him. Although, have you ever watched that WWE Legends House? I yeah. did. Dude, fucking Tony Atlas. <laughs> he gets so fucking pissed. <laughs> but y'all kissed Tony my fucking ass. <laughs> They, the the Legends House thing, they did the big reveal at the end where everybody's going to go around the table and, and, and tell their secret, you know, like something nobody knew about anybody or what, something nobody knew about them personally, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Pat Patterson's was that he was gay, like he came out, you know, it's like everybody knows you're gay, but it was the first time he publicly, you know, stated it. Yeah, I guess it's just not and, and 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 I watched it and I was like, and then Jimmy Hart, his story was tragic. He talked about how he lost a daughter or whatever in Desert Storm. Okay, and when I was done watching Legends House, I wasn't trying to like. My biggest shock wasn't that Pat Patterson was gay. It was that Jimmy Hart wasn't. <laughs> Somebody slept with that man. <laughs> Number 285 is Invader 1, 5'10", 227, 22 years pro, formerly known as Jose Gonzalez, competed in the WWF during the early part of his career, but went on to vast success in the WWC, famous for his silver mask, and something else, too. You know, it's funny, I always love, like, Villain 1 and, you know, Crusher 2 and Villano 5. It's like, you know, as soon as you fucking, like, you're going to be Villano 4. Fuck! Yeah, well, Invader One is a piece of shit. He is the man that killed Bruiser Brody. Oh yeah, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> two eighty four is Mike Graham, five eight two thirty two, fifteen years pro, former NWA light heavyweight champion, has returned to WCW. A former Florida champion, father was the legendary Eddie Graham, purely scientific. Mike Graham, good wrestler. Just, I think he suffered from a lack of personality. I think Mike, and he was like four foot tall. But and Mike, yeah. one of those guys, like every time I've ever seen him in any interview, I'm like, this dude's full. Of shit. Oh, he's full of his own shit. He he sat down and was like, told Eric Bischoff that he said, oh, like everything that Bischoff did, and and I know a lot of Bischoff's kind of a polarizing character, but he yeah. basically said that everything that Bischoff did stuff that he told him he's like oh you got to reduce the amount of clashes we have and have more pay-per-views and and reduce this no you got to do that you got to do that like he said he he 
he was like the puppet master of Eric Bischoff. It's like, eh, I doubt it. Yeah, not so much. Yeah. And Eric's um podcast, he fucking flat out tells you, like, because he's like, Oh, I'll get a uh, he told like Hulk Hogan, like, I'll get you a, a meeting with Ted. And Eric Bischoff's like, fucking Ted Turner wanted to fucking make fucking Graham. Like what the fuck? He'd be like, ah, who the who the hell is this guy coming in my office? Who, who this little fella? <laughs> who this little perm fella? <laughs> With a pono mustache. <laughs> Look at him. Look, Look at him. Number two eighty three, Mike George, six two two sixty five twenty three years pro. Rugged timekeeper competes mainly in Kansas City area. A former WWA champion, one of the top point compilers in the 1989 AWA Team Challenge Series. I don't know jack shit about Mike George. He's got two first names. Fuck him. Speaking of the AWA, 282, Greg Gagne, 6'1", 220, 18 years pro, son of the legendary... Son of the legendary Vern Gagne has come out of retirement to compete on recent cards, best known as a member of the High Flyers with Jim Brunzel, a credit to his profession. Uh, Greg Gagne was fine as a tag team wrestler. Yep. And and I said another little fella or whatever, but he's also a guy that, like, he seems like a good dude. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, like, like, I think, like, sometimes you hear about, like, second second generation wrestlers kind of, like, being full of their own shit or whatever. I don't get that from Greg Gagne. He also got hoodwinked by the WWE. Yeah. Oh, they fucked him. They fucked him. <laughs> yes, they did. They were like, sell us everything, bargain based. We'll give you a job. We'll let you run. We'll let you run our developmental. And then, like, they once the fucking ink was dry, they were like, oh, we gotta let you go. <laughs> and to me, it's like... I picture the scene in Star Wars where they're 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 on Calrissian's planet and they go in the dining area with Vader and, and Vader just keeps saying to Lando Calrissian, uh, you know, uh, pray I don't change the deal further. Like, the deal just keeps changing yeah. as time goes on. It was like the final fuck you from Vince McMahon to the AEW or AEW, AWA and the Ganya family because they were the ones that were like, fuck you, Vince. We're not going to do it. And Vince was finally like, all right, I'm going to fuck these guys. <laughs> fuck, man, I'm going to fuck Ganya with his pants on. It's, uh, <laughs> but wasn't, wasn't it like Greg and, and Vern kind of came after the WWF with the whole Hulkamania thing? They, they, well, Hulkamania started in the AW. Yeah, right. they, like, Hogan right. started there and, and they, they tried to fuck Hogan. Like, they were selling his shit when he was in Japan and he didn't even know it. I wonder if that of it were like, Vince is like, aha, I got you now, pal. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to show you. Vince and Vern just did not, the McMahons and the Ganya family did not get along. Like a lot of those guys that Vince bought out or put out of business, like he respected them. You know what I mean? 
for their, but he did not, for some reason, Vince McMahon and Vern Gagne just like, like they, he didn't put the Crockett's out, you know, well, I, I mean, he did, but the Crockett's didn't sell. No, they, but it still talks in great regard of like big Jim Crockett and, and Jim Crockett Jr. And, and all that, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that fucking Vern Gagne shit. He, he, that, he, that that was like macho man. He like, like he owned that shit. Like I'm never going to. It, it's you, you get what I'm saying. Like I yeah. won't give that up. And then he he hoodwinked him. He he took a senile old man. I was like, let's put him up on the stage. Told his kid, we'll take care of it. You'll be good. You'll have a job. Got all this shit and said, fuck off out of here. <laughs> but I don't know. I guess. When you look at all the like the, the previous like former owners, like anybody that was, like owner and stuff, they either made it in the WWF or Vince fucking just kicked them out. And nine times out of ten, it's like it's the people that treated people like shit. Like you look at um, how he ran um, Louisiana and he, uh, Bill Watts, Bill Watts, like Bill Watts. From everything anybody's ever said to me, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent. I just I happened to watch the Kevin Nash shoot where he was talking about how uh, Watts treated him like shit in WCW, and when he came to WWF, uh, he was telling a story about how him and Yoko like they were in a cage and they spent forty five minutes putting this fucking cage up. And he's like, "We're walking out," and Bill Watts is like, "Fuck, go tear it down." He's like, "All right, guys." They go out there, they they fucking go 15 seconds. And they come back and fucking Watts is like, what the fuck was that? He's like, oh yeah, by, by the way, here, I'm on the food chain, you're fucking down here. So fuck. <laughs> and it, like, that's the way. Like, if Vince is friends with people, and he knows that he's going to, you know. Yeah. Well, did you ever hear why Ganya got fired from WCW? No, how, why? He was trying, like he was working for WCW as like an agent and booker and all that or whatever, a consistent booker agent or whatever. But was like trying to like start a side hustle with like his own promotion, and Bischoff found out about it, and then fucking shit can him, and he couldn't figure out. He's like. He, like Bischoff was like burned or, or Greg couldn't figure out why I was firing him and why I was mad about it. Like, really? You, you <laughs> can't figure out why I'm mad. Like you're working for us and you're, you're trying to start your own promotion. Yeah. And, and he said, Ghani was like, I don't, I don't see what the problem is. And, and Bischoff was like, obviously you do because you wouldn't have hot, you wouldn't have hit it. Right. <laughs> you would have came up and said, Hey, Eric, I'm working for you, but I'd like to have my own little side promotion here. You got a problem with that. He's like, you obviously fucking knew that we were going to have a problem with that. Are you going to fucking hit it? What? Yeah. <laughs> Number 281 here is Dory Funk Jr. 6'2", 240, 27 years pro. Veteran was recently named IWCCW commissioner. Despite new role, continues to compete. One of the greatest NWA world champions, brother of Terry Funk. You know, Dory Funk, Lemonhead. Guys, that he he's in the shadow of Terry, but like as much as like everyone's like, oh Terry, 
he's he's middle aged and crazy. Like Dory Funk Jr. is actually fucking crazy. Like that dude's nuts. And he's also like, uh, well, we've talked about on Reliving the Extreme a lot because <laughs> we 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 beat up uh, Dory Funk was a great wrestler. Don't get me wrong in the nineteen sixties and the nineteen seventies, but by nineteen ninety four. In the ECW, he's just lumbering out there, kind of wandering around, you know, letting Terry and everybody else around him do all the work. And it was the name, you know, it was essentially, he was just the name, Dory Funk Jr. by that point. Terry taking care of him, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, fuck. I guess I don't have a problem with that because Bruce the fucking Barbara Beefcake has been anywhere and everywhere the fucking Hulk Hogan's ever been. And so has... Uh, um, Brian Knobs. Yeah. So, you know, I, fuck, I don't, you know. Same thing with Triple H and X-Pac. I just think Dory Funk was boring. Like, even by 70 standards, he was fucking boring. Same goddamn face. Like, like he had, like, no facial expressions or, you, you know what I mean? Like, I understand, oh, he's a great wrestler, yeah. But Dory Funk is boring. He is a boring human being. And I bet he's even boring in real life. (laughs) Like, like, I would think that speaking to Dory Funk would be the equivalent of, like, when Gene Hackman in the birdcage is talking about the foliage as they were playing. (laughs) The foliage (laughs) in Ohio. (coughs) It's magnificent. The browns and the oranges. The orange. And then he pauses. It's great because he's like the the browns, the oranges, and everybody's looking at him. And he's like the yellows. Yeah. <laughs> what a fantastic movie that is, man! Yeah. But that would be the equivalent of like sitting down with Dory and be like, "Tell me about your career." Oh, it was it was great. Wrestling in St. Louis, the headlocks, the forearms. <laughs> The takeovers. The takeovers. It's like, you were a boring fucking... (laughs) The three-minute rest hold. Yeah, the three-minute rest holds. Edward Compartier. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're dozing off. Like, you're the elder. You should be dozing off. Uh, Number 280... One of the best surprises of 2022 is getting to meet this man, Aaron. Chick Donovan. Chick Donovan. Six foot, 245, 11 years pro, muscular fan favorite, has competed in Georgia for the past four years, also in world class for a long stretch. Uses power well, rarely makes tactical errors. Yeah. Kyle, Nate, and I went to Fort Wayne. We went to a fucking Heroes and Legends convention in, in April. It was April, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we we just get there, you know, and there's this this older tan man <laughs> with a big blonde bouffant, and it was fantastic, <laughs> sparkly gold jacket. I looked at Nate and I was like, I think that's fucking Chick Donovan. And Nate was like, That ain't Chick Donovan. I was like, It's Chick Donovan. Like he wasn't on the roster. Like he wasn't on. He wasn't a name. They said Chick Donovan's gonna be here, and then I was like, Ah, it's fucking Chick Donovan. It was fucking fantastic. And his his um his handlers were all these smooth 
black men in pimp outfits. Yes, it was. It was like a a, a herd of Teddy Longs. No, it, it was like it's like he's being surrounded by the kings of comedy. Like <laughs> the they were wearing, it was like fantastic. His handlers. Yeah, they were fucking. It was just smooth, like like Detroit black dudes and Chick Donovan. Old Chick doesn't know where he's at. We make sure he's there. Oh, and and like after I after I saw that, I was like, man, Chick Donovan has a sassy black wife. I know he does. He's like got a foxy brown wife. Chick <laughs> Donovan was the shit. And it was very cool to meet him. Yeah. Get our picture made with him. Get an autograph. That is, you know, in all, in all honesty, and I, and I know I'm jo- I'm joking about it, but like the name Chick Donovan, like that is such a cool fucking wrestling name. What'd you say he said about Bill Watts? Because you were just talking about Bill Watts. Um. Oh shit. Did he say I he was said like a fucking prick or something like that? Yeah. Oh yeah. I yeah. Because I said I was. Oh. I said I was just watching you because I was literally like two nights before that. I was like, I was just watching you on, on T, uh, you know, I was just watching a show you were on. Um, no, it wasn't, it wasn't Bill Watts, Aaron. It was Fritz von Eric. Oh yeah. Um, I said, I was just watching a show you were on a couple nights ago and he goes, Oh yeah. What was it? I said, it was a, it was a world-class show. And he goes, ah, Fritz von Eric, real motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, I didn't like Fritz. Not at all. Son comes out on his fucking Hall of Fame speech and he's like, I know my dad loved me. Not fucking a good sign. <laughs> didn't love you. 279 here in the 500. Chris Champion. 6'1, 222, seven years pro, former Wild Side member. Is a is wild indeed. Teamed with Mark Starr to win the CWA tag title in 1989. The new breed with Todd Champion is making its mark in the late 80s. And Yoshi Kwan. Did he become Yoshi Kwan? Yes, he did. Yeah. The new breed was actually fucking cool in the in the NWA. Like they were the, like they had that fucking robot and like it was out of place but it was weird and cool like like i always thought because i think that stopped because chris champion got in in an accident i think he got in a fucking car accident or whatever fucked himself up but um 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 i always thought that if mcmahon would have got a hold of that new breed shit it probably would have been a bigger thing i think like they were like, they were out of place in the NWA because they were like doing the robot gimmick, mm-hmm. and future, and all that shit. But yeah, it, he was he was decent, and and he was kind of like an out of the box type wrestler. I don't, I don't know, I don't know if Vince would have or not done anything good with it because if you look at like Men on a Mission, like Vince. I love everything that he does, but like the man is like five, six years behind the times. Oh, this would have been in the, this would have been in the eighties and he wasn't like that back then. Like he was on the ball then. I, 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 I just think they would have. Yeah, that is true. They would have done something with him. I think. 
I'm not saying they would have ever been like the fucking tag champs or whatever, but I think that new breed gimmick would have been different if it would have been under the tutelage of Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson. Yeah, because of the rock and wrestling connection and everything. Like, yeah. I see where you're going, yeah. 278, Scott Casey. Six foot 242, 19 years pro, former world-class standout competing independently. Gave a fine accounting of himself in a two-year stint with the WWF. Proponent of the Bulldog, Headlock, and a fine a fine finisher. Um, Scott Casey. Cowboy wrestler. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was fine. You know, I'm not, I, I've never watched a Scott Casey match and been like, well, this guy fucking sucked. But I've never watched a Scott Casey match and been like, yeah, this guy should have been a bigger deal than he was. There, I wish they would do something in the Hall of Fame for you know for those talents that you know it's like yeah, like he never really fucking made it like big like Hulk Hogan, but like if it wasn't for this guy, like nobody would have looked good. It's the carp. It's the Carpenter Award, the Good Hand Award. <laughs> Let's uh go ahead and bring our Horowitz winner out here. <laughs> This year's inductee, Val Venus. <laughs> and this year's inductee, D'Lo Brown. Yeah. You get the Horowitz. Oh, I thought D'Lo would go in before Val. <laughs> the, the, the trophy you get, it's like a, it looks like a dreidel. <laughs> you get to pat yourself on the back when you yeah. win, though. Give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> Give yourself a pat on the back, Bob Holly. <laughs> it has uh, the numbers one through four on it, and they got to spin it, and whatever it lands, that's their payout. <laughs> Sorry, buddy, you get a thousand dollars. I was really pulling for that four guy. We tried, pal. <laughs> Turns out you're not as good a hand as you said you were. <laughs> Number two seventy seven, T C Carter, six one two thirty two. Seven years pro, Polynesian stars competing in the U.S. more often, wrestled Wild Bill Irwin at Starcade 90 for WCW. Colorful ring attire makes him a favorite. I have no comments on T.C. Carter. Yeah. The highlight of your career is you fought Bill Irwin at a Starcade. Aaron and I will never part ways. It's weird. We will never part ways more in wrestling than we do on Bill Irwin. It's so crazy to me how, like, of all the things you could discuss in wrestling, we are totally opposite on Bill Irwin. I love Bill Irwin, and Aaron does not. <laughs> Fucking squid Billy motherfucker. <laughs> I did uh, buy a goon action figure, though. I love Bill Irwin, man. 276, Leo Burke, 6'1", 242, 11 years pro, New Brunswick native, is among Great White North's busiest stars. Former Canadian champion, well-schooled, but uses foul tactics at times, brave as they come. I know nothing. I have no comment. I like like how they're doing where there's like an era of, I don't want to say kayfabe because I'm not in the fucking industry, but, you know, there's still a... A level of realism in it where they're like, oh, you know, this, you know, he's got a great upside, but he likes to use dirty tactics. Like, I like that. That's fucking cool. Like, oh, yeah, I absolutely miss that shit, man. Like, I, I, I'm getting to the point where I hate 
watching because so much well backstage and it's like I I want to fucking suspend my I don't care what's going on back there. I want a good story up front here. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't want to get off on a tangent, but it's like the NJF thing. Like don't get me wrong, it's a great promo. It was fantastic. It's the best promo of the past decade. But where are we going? Are we going to get are we doing NJF versus uh Tony Khan? Because I don't want to fucking see that. I don't want to see Tony Khan. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. great promo, but it's like... It's- Tony Khan looks like he would hang out with my son. <laughs> the, he's got a big, like the big poofy hair and... Yeah, like a llama. Kind of <laughs> kind of skitzed out, you know? He's just, but, I don't know. He's- <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's sad that wrestling has gotten to the point where, like, that has to be the storyline to get people interested in it. It used to be that, like... Hey, I'm coming for that fucking title, and people are like, "Fuck, I'm sitting down." My knee. Tony Khan's a Indian alpaca. <laughs> Number two seventy-five, Gama Singh, five eleven to twenty-seven years pro, veteran competitor from Pakistan, is still going strong. The spiritual leader of the rule-breaking organization known as Karachi Vice in the Stampede area. I cannot, with any. Good intelligence speak on Gama Singh. I have no idea. I'm assuming that uh, Bastion Booger got Muckham Singh from Gama Singh. But anyway, 274, Luke Williams, 6'1", 244, 27 years pro, grizzled veteran teams with Butch Miller as the comical butch Bushwhackers in the WWF, UWF tag champs in 87. And... One of my favorite fucking tag teams of all time. Yep, dude. I, when I was any, watching- any any incarnation of those guys, and and Kyle, I didn't mean to cut you off, but one of the things that that like pisses me off the most is that the Bushwhacker gimmick, people shit on it. Okay. And they say, "Oh man, they were so much better when they were the when they were the sheep herders." And they because I don't know, do you know a lot about the sheep herders? Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like they did the blood and guts thing, and and they were hardcore before hardcore, and then they got to the WWF and they made them cartoons. Okay, well they were old when they got there. Yep. And and what Vince McMahon did was take these two guys that were old when they got there and said, Hey, all that blood and guts shit that you did, you don't have to do that anymore. Right. And, 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 and you're going to make more money than you ever made in your entire, you got, in your entire career before you even got here. And fucking wrestling fans. And I'm a wrestling fan, but wrestling fans are always just like, oh, man, they fucking ruined the sheep herders. They fucking ruined them. It's like, okay, well, when Luke and Butch would go to, like, autograph sessions and shit, it wasn't like, oh, come and meet um, the sheep herders. They were like, come and meet the bushwhackers because that's where we made our fucking money. You know, the, the, the first Hasbro action figures I ever got – wasn't Hulk Hogan, wasn't Macho Man, it was the fucking Bushwhackers. And, and Vince, Vince added fucking 10 years to those guys' careers by saying, I, you don't have to do that shit anymore. No. Well, and, lick children and fucking bushwhack and have fun. 
that's the thing about Vince that I, I do that nobody is like Dusty Rhodes, perfect example. Everyone's like, all oh, the polka dots were a fucking joke. It was trying to make fun of Dusty. You know who else used fucking polka dots in the 80s? Randy Rhodes with Ozzy Osbourne. Like, say what you want to say. Like, Vince knows how to fucking get people over without them having to kill themselves. Yep. And uh, when you go see Bill Eady and Barry Darso at a wrestling convention, are they the masked superstar and Crusher Khrushchev? They're demolition. That's what they are. But what they do that's cool is is you can get, yes. They bring all their gimmicks with them. Yes, they do. You're right. Whatever gimmick you want to pose with, we'll pose with. Yeah, Darso's like, I'll be the fucking repo man tonight. I don't give a shit. I got a little. I got a little fucking hamburger mask right here. Yeah, I'll put it on. Billy brought his mask, superstar mask with him and shit. But yeah, it's it's like that. That's that's a bone of contention for me when people are like, "Ugh, they ruined the Bushwhackers." It's like now Vince took two guys that literally gave their blood, sweat, and tears for the business and added ten fucking years to their career and made them more money than they ever had in their entire time before they got there. Think about this. Roddy Piper smashed a fucking beer bottle on his fucking forehead try to get the shit with the sheepers over, and it didn't sell anything, really. And then he goes up to Vince. Vince is like, uh, yeah, so you're not going to do that here. We're just going to we're gonna put you out there and let you fucking talk. Right. That's what's going to sell tickets, because it doesn't really matter. Like, WrestleMania 3. Again, I'm getting off on a tangent, but... It's been a while, but uh, it doesn't matter what the fuck the match was between Hogan and Andre. You already bought it. Yeah. Who gives a shit if it's five stars or not? Like, and and you know what? I'll be honest. When I watch WrestleMania three, I fast forward through the middle of that match, but I still watch the fucking beginning and I still watch the finish. Yep. You know, because that's what it was about. Number 273 in this PWI 500 is Ron Harris. 6'5", 277 years pro. Big brawler teams with his brother Don as the Bruise Brothers. Formerly competed in the CWA. Style makes fans recall the heyday of Robert and Ron Fuller. Those were two guys that I wish would have gotten a bigger break. Ron and Don Harris were always... You, you you see their influence in so much because you know it's the it's the twin magic it's and like they were the guys that kind of you know introduced that to everybody and they were obviously they were obviously influenced by Bruiser Brody yeah and I think the best incarnation of that team was when they were in Smoky Mountain oh yeah but I also don't understand why they why they compare them to the Fullers it's like that's weird. <laughs> I know they're tall. Right. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I've never been like, oh man, Ron and Don remind me of Robert Fuller. <laughs> at all. Number 272, Jackie Fulton. 5'11", 225, three years pro, younger brother of Fantastic Bobby Fulton. A bit taller and heavier than his brother, therefore just a bit stronger as well. Still developing. Um... I really, really, really like Bobby Fulton. Not so much a fan of Jackie. Yeah, they, he was decent. 
but he wasn't that was the obviously the weaker the weaker incarnation of the Fantastics. But you take Tommy Rogers out of anything, it's gonna be the weaker or whatever. Right. Yeah, for sure. Fucking Tommy Rogers was a fucking shit, man. That dude was the fucking bee's knees. I know we're not talking about him, but like I'm looking forward to like when we get to fucking ECW like ninety seven when Tommy Rogers showed up for a little bit. It's like, yeah, I'm man, I'm <laughs> man about that shit. Number two seventy one, Buddy Rose. Playboy. Six foot three twelve, eighteen years pro. You can probably add fifty pounds to that weight listing. <laughs> Playboy literally ate himself out of main event status, teamed with Doug Summers to win the end the AWA tag title in nineteen eighty seven. So let me share my Buddy Rose perspective. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> with my burp. Um I have not as as much as I pride myself on watching a lot of old wrestling. The one promotion I have not watched a lot of that I should is Portland. I've watched a considerable amount of Buddy in Portland, and it's great. And the other thing I will tell you people is I always admit on the show that I don't, I have not in my lifetime watched a lot of the AWA. But the most of the AWA that I've watched is Doug Summers and Buddy Rose. And they were a fantastic tag team. With Sherry, that was such a good act. They were, and think about this. I really and truly believe that uh, Sean and Marty, like the Rockers, they weren't like that. Was their finishing school? Was yes. And and Buddy Rose, like the like Jesus. I mean, you think about like you have this young team and they're working with these guys. Like who better? To, to be the playboy that Shawn Michaels would be than mm-hmm. from Buddy Rose. I mean... Well, no, and literally, my my memories, if, if I go back, because I'm 43 years old, and if I go back through my wrestling memories, like my mes- wrestling memory Rolodex, my most vivid memories of the AWA are watching Rose and Summers against the Midnight Rockers at the Showboat in Vegas. Yeah, the bloodbath. Yes. That's that's my, and I know, you know, uh, somebody that's an AWA historian or whatever will tell me Bachwinkle or whatever, and Bachwinkle was fantastic. I'm not saying he wasn't. But my memory of the AWA, my biggest memory is that match, those matches between those two teams. Well, think about it. You know, you had great tag team wrestling in the South. That that's always been their biggest thing. Yeah. Well, but we're talking about Minnesota. Well, now, <laughs> I get, well, I to me Minnesota is still kind of. Look, I'm just saying you're fucking <laughs> goddamn nowhere. I don't want you know. It's so nice to have you back. <laughs> It's your movie moment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yes, I know what you're saying. Territorial wrestling. Was tag team wrestling. Yes. That's, uh, that. I mean, you had the, the greatest teams that you would have ever seen. Or it's be- when they got brought up to WWF, Vince, for whatever reason, isn't a tag team guy. No. But, but, 
In 87, 88, and 89, I would argue in 87, 88, 89, as, as much as I love the Midnights and et cetera and Rock and Roll Express, I would argue the WWF had the best tag team roster for that three-year period. Oh, God, yeah, they did. But the problem was, and again, I understand Hulk Hogan sells the tickets, but imagine if they had gotten behind, like actually got behind some of these teams. Killer bees. Yeah, like... Well, for this for this uh, exercise, number 270 is Joe Malenko, 5'10", 220, 14 years pro, son of Boris Malenko, one of the most hated stars of the 60s and 70s, teams often with his younger brother, Dean, while competing in Japan, highly respected. From what I've seen of Joe, a fantastic worker, but yeah. I haven't seen enough to, I'll be honest, folks, I haven't seen enough to really grade him a fantastic worker. I don't know if I've ever even seen a promo. I've, I've never seen anything from him. Like, the only thing of the Malenko's I've seen is stuff from Boris. And if he's anything like those two, it, it's got to be solid. Joe is a solid work. Like, I've seen more of his Japan stuff. Like, Japan matches. Because, like, they'd, they'd fight, like, the Bulldogs and shit like that. And, um... I know you guys, I'm a bigger fan of that type of wrestling than you guys, and I'm not saying, like, oh, I'm a better wrestling fan than you because I like watching that. I, that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I like watching that. Like Nate was saying before you jumped on here, like I'll watch, like I'll get on there and just like watch World of Sports matches because that's, and Nate's known this since I was a kid. That's the style of wrestling I enjoy watching. You know what I mean? Um, not that I don't like flashy stuff, but if I'm just going to watch a match, I want to watch a match like that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't need any of the story of it. Like, what led to this match or anything like that. I just want to watch a solid wrestling thing. Joe is... I don't want to say... This is going to sound silly. He's a less charismatic version of Dean. Like... And... and um, He's just like his brother, too. Because I've listened to, like, shoot interviews and shit with Joe Malenko. He's fucking funny. Like, he is funny as shit. But when that camera came on, it was just like, this is what we do. We're just workers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but he was even less charismatic than his brother. You know, and that's the thing that always kind of got me. Like, does anybody know why Vince, all of a sudden, like in the 90s, decided no more makers? Late 90s. I, I think it. I think it was because of two things. You say why no more managers? Yeah, I think it was because of two things. First, the per. He, I would say he was promoting wrestlers, i.e., and I'm just going to use them as two examples or three examples: Stone Cold, Rock, Shawn Michaels. He was promoting wrestlers that were that that had big personalities and could do their own promos, and and because of Russo, he got into the mentality of if someone's escorting a wrestler to the ring, it should just be a woman with with tits and ass. And I, I think that's I think that's what killed that's what killed the manager. That's part of it. But what also killed the managers was 
that territories went away because heels a baby face would stay like a like a like a Bruno San Martino or a Pedro Morales you know what i mean mm-hmm. they'd have they'd have 7 year reigns as champion but the heels would like if you were a heel you're only going to be in this territory for 6 months okay so it wasn't so much that the heat that the baby face was feuding with the heel wrestler, the baby face was feuding with the manager, and the manager was bringing in the wrestler. The manager was bringing in the wrestlers, like like Fred Blassie was the heel on the show, consistently cutting the promos, and and he's like, oh, I'm going to bring in Stan Hansen now, and I'm going to try to get Stan to get. And I know he didn't manage Stan, but you, you know what I'm saying. Like a, like the 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 managers were the heels, the main heels of the show, and they were bringing in their um, foot soldiers, their charges, or whatever, for six months to try to get the belt off the guy. That's what it was. That that's what I think it was. The 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 manager kind of the manager role kind of just worked its way out when the territories went away, in my opinion. Right. It's just, there's so many guys that, man, if they just had a manager, if they had a mouthpiece, would have been bigger stars than you could have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. Like, like Nate, like an example of what I'm talking about is like, we were talking about the other, cause we brought up Boogie Woogie man, you know, Boogie Woogie man wasn't feuding with Pez Watley, with Shasta Watley, and Tijo, he was feuding with Paul Jones. Paul Jones, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's that's why I think the manager kind of went away because it got to the point. It's like we 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 don't need that anymore because we're signing guys to fucking two year contracts and shit like that. Which is why you still see managers on indie scenes. You know what I mean? Because yep. the manager's the guy that the manager now is the guy that's like buddies with the promoter. He's like, ah, this guy's fucking funny. I'm gonna make him a manager, <laughs> and, and he's gonna be the guy that's consistently on my show. Does that make sense? It sure does. Number two sixty nine, Ivan Putsky. Five ten, two forty two, twenty three years pro, Polish power. Power is still alive and well. <laughs> Veteran strongman teams with his son Scott in IWCCW teamed with Tito Santana to win the WWF tag team title in 1979. Who was it? Who was it that brought Ivan back and they fucking got rid of the accent? It was Vince. The people were like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, um, before he got to Vince, he was just like a beer barreled or beer bellied like Polish guy and then Vince got him and he jacked him up or whatever. And then I, I don't remember. how oh, was it? I don't know where Cornette talked about where he got back to a promotion and they were like, Oh my God, they fucking, they fucking ruined him. Like this isn't anything like we want, like before. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what promoter it was. It might've been Crockett. I don't know, but I, I just, I've never been a big fan of Ivan Putzky. Me neither. 268, Pez Watley. That's the Pez. 510, 245, 16 years pro. Exciting competitor, has wrestled all over the country, 
made debut in IWA in 1975, formerly the Jive Tones with Tiger Conway Jr., not above breaking the rules. And when he joined, he was supposed to be, because this is a funny thing, Tony Schiavone talked about it, he was supposed to be, he, you know how they called him Shaska Watley? Yes. He was supposed to be Shasta Watley. But Pez Watley fucking couldn't pronounce Shasta. So he was like, I'm Shaska Watley. Uh, that's not supposed to be your name. And then it just became his name because he couldn't fucking pronounce the name that they gave him. So they're like, all right, fuck it. You're Shaska. I just thought that was funny. Like, apparently you guys don't, but I, I thought he was a great worker, a great hand. And when he was, um, evil, he was entertaining. Mm-hmm. With the top hat and the fucking, Please yeah, I, I liked him. Please tell me that when he was a heel, he was a German sympathizer and his name was Swastika. Well, at times he did team with Baron Ron Roschke. Look out, Baron Von Roschke. That's all the people need to know. Number 267 is the Tasmaniac. 5'11", 245, four years pro, uncontrollably violent rule breaker, is the new IWCCW light heavyweight champion, managed by Tony Rumble. Many fans want, want his unsavory, want this unsavory beast banned. We know who he is to become. Yes. Um, people don't know he's to become Taz, and he is like a guy that I compare to um, Jesse Ventura, where I love the personality, and I became a bigger fan of him when he stopped wrestling and became a commentator. Me too. Like as a wrestler. Like yeah, I, I'm not gonna knock fucking Taz as a wrestler because because he was good, but I'm much more entertained by his personality than his work. Is he? I don't know. Like, was he really that great of a worker? You know what I mean? You know like, what? Here, he just, here, he. Here's what I'll say, Kyle. He was perfect in his role in ECW. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was. Outside of that, he was fine, you know. But like Aaron said, he was he was a better personality than he was a wrestler. But I mean, I'll say his ECW work, he was great there. I think I think the, the biggest thing too is that like when you look at Taz in ECW at that time, like he was the off standard of the hardcore style. And so by definition it's the whole uh big fish small pond. Where he can be the tough badass, but then when you get to the WWF it's like Yeah, okay, you're you're probably good, but we've got Kurt Angle. We've got, or 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 can we put can we can we push you as a badass, but, but legitimately put you in the ring with fucking Kane? Yep. Yeah, and he's he's a prime example of what Heyman did 
fantastic was let's take away the things that like the holes that people are going to see in your act and only accentuate what positive the positives the things you do good like no don't no don't pay attention to the do you get do you get what i'm saying oh yeah sure like, like Paulie did a good job of going, okay, this guy's a fucking fire hydrant. You know what I mean? Like, he's this little compact fucking badass. But when he got to the WWE or the WWF, it was like, eh. Well, and he's a, he's a prime example of, and to your point, Aaron, about him being a better personality, like Jesse, than a wrestler, his promos. Yeah, ECW TV, you'd see you'd see snippets of his match. You'd see him slamming somebody knock like slamming somebody on their head or what, suplexing somebody on their head or whatever. But then you, you'd hear him talk and you're like, Oh, this guy's a badass." And mm-hmm. you, you forget that he's like fucking five, five and what? It, yeah. Like one of the most, and I'm looking forward to getting to it eventually. I don't even remember what year it was from, but one of my most, most vivid memories of ECW was the segment where he's in the ring and Shane Douglas is up on the balcony and he's calling out Shane Douglas. Yeah, it's 97. And it's so good. He's so good in that in that environment. Like, get down here. I want to kick your ass. Yeah, that's, that's 97 because that's when they were going, that's when they were doing the cross promotion shit with the WWF and, and like you said we'll get there eventually but um, yeah and the fucking Sabu Taz feud was fantastic mm-hmm. it's all good shit number 266 Toshiaka Kawada 5'10 to 30 10 years pro all Japan mainstay brings fan uh, brings fans to arenas in the force, not as flashy as other Japanese stars, but gets the job done. Top contender to most all Japan titles. And I'm going to say again, I don't, I don't know a lot about him. Kawada. I've seen some matches. I've seen some of that, like the highlights and another strong style guy. I'll I'll pull an MJF. I'm not going to pretend like I watch Japanese wrestling. And I'm the same way. That's the that was the best line in a promo in the past decade. I don't pretend to watch New Japan. <laughs> Number two sixty five, Rip Morgan, six four two seventy eight years pro, tough and ready New Zealander, is a member of the royal family with Jacko Victory, former flag bearer of the Sheep Herders. Uh, Rick Morgan was he's a fine worker. Yeah, you know, I mean. I actually liked the royal family gimmick. And I like Jacko Victory. Jack Victory's kind of like a unsung wrestler in my opinion. But th- th- they were what they were and and they were never going to be like your fucking main event tag team or whatever, but they were right. a good little gimmick. Two more and then we will sign off the first one 264 Firecat. 5-7-236, one year's pro. Newcomer has competed in UWF, GWF, and Florida in his first few months in the sport. All-out athletic style has been compared to Cheetah Kid and Jushin Liger. Do you guys remember Firecat? I don't 
I don't no. know this. You got to do two more because I have nothing on Firecat. All right. We'll do two more. Uh, maybe three more because there might be one okay. you don't. Anyway, 263. We all know this guy by a different name. Mondo Clean. 270. Four years pro. Native of China. Whatever. No. Is a brutal bone buster. <laughs> Claims he is untrained as a pro, but shows learned in learned ring skills. Crushing knee drop is a fa- his favorite finishing move. I'm actually currently watching his work. Shows that he's untrained as a pro. <laughs> I'm actually currently watching 92 and 90 early 93 WWF and WCW uh, with Damian Demento getting promos and stuff on superstars, and that guy. Was not very good. No. He had a cool look. He can say that he main evented the first Raw. Yeah, against The Undertaker. So he can say that. He can say that, but he wouldn't say it well because he can't cut a fucking promo. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking idiot. God. He sucked. His thing, his thing on his promos that I've noticed, like on the event centers and stuff, is he's always like, "And so it shall be said, and so it shall be done." Yeah, what? The fuck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> Two sixty one is Ken Timms. The only thing I remember Ken Timms of is uh, watching Mid Atlantic and. Uh, Bob Cottle being like, oh, there's old Ken, Ken, Ken Timms. But anyway, Ken Timms, 5'11", 235, 12 years pro, pro, very successful in Mexico, where he is now known as El Fabuloso Blondi. <laughs> Fabuloso. That caught me by surprise. Sorry, folks. Isn't that the fucking floor cleaner you buy from fucking Dollar General? <laughs> it is literally called Fabuloso. <laughs> and it's, the, a do, it's a dollar for like a 64-ounce yeah, bottle. Yeah, I got I to gotta clean my kitchen floor with my El Fabuloso Blondie. <laughs> lilac. Yeah, it's a lilac, lilac scent. Oh. <laughs> That's his partner, <laughs> Louis Lilac. Louis L. Fabuloso Sense. Lilac. <laughs> Let's round it off with two sixty. People can the can... name of the show be El Fabuloso Blondie. <laughs> we'll end this show with number two sixty. One of the greats of all time. Gotta love this guy, Nikolai Volkov. Yes. Six seven two eighty twenty three years pro at this time. Soviet was hated for most of his career, but now has adopted the U.S. as his home, teamed with Iron Sheik to win the WWF title in 1985. Barrel-chested strongman. Man, can you, can you name a better, a guy that, what do I want to say, worked in so many promotions under so many names, so many gimmicks, always successful, great worker, he wasn't always the flashiest, and yeah, sure, by this time he'd slowed down and blah, 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 but he was one of the Mongols. He was one of the the integrate parts of, of the Mid-South 
territory in the early 80s and came to the WWF and and just sustained for so long. Nikolai was great, man. And he's a guy like we're like when we were talking about Brian Adams, like are you and, and I'm not saying like because I know Brian like when we were talking about Brian Adams, we were talking about his demons and shit. But like he's a guy like a Brian Adams or an Owen or whatever that have you ever heard anybody be like in a shoot interview like oh Nikolai Volkov that guy was a fucking prick never you know what I mean he was he was just a good natured dude and um my favorite wrestling book is Fred Blassie's book listen up you pencil McNeese it's my fucking favorite wrestling book ever and he's talking about Nikolai, because he had a lot of time with Nikolai. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, they gave him that Soviet gimmick or whatever. And he hated that. Like, he hated the Soviet regime and all that. Like, he fuck it. Like, like, he did not love communism. He thought it was terrible. Like, he told Freddie, he's like, that's why I left. Like, I left there to come here because I hated that. And now they want me to, they want me to be the Soviet or whatever. And, and Freddie was like, that's the thing, man. You gotta like, like, like essentially make fun of it, make fun of them. He's like, like you're getting that back. Now you, you take everything you fucking hate about them and accentuate it in your own personality to show people that this shit's, Ridiculous, stupid, and ridiculous, and it added, like I said, with the Bushwhackers, it added fucking years to his career. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and um, Freddie said that he got him back in touch with his like Freddie had a daughter that he didn't know, and he got him back involved with her. You know, and 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 he was like, like almost like an Owen Hart too, where like Freddie said, like this dude would like fucking make eggs on a hot plate in his fucking hotel because every dime that he was making on the road, he was sending back to his kids and his wife. Like Mm -hmm. Nikolai Volkov was just everything I've ever read about the guy. Obviously I never met him, but everything I read about the man was just a stand up, honest, good dude. And I've never, ever heard anybody just be like, Nikolai Volkov was a motherfucker. You know right. what I mean? Nick, Never hear anybody say it. Nikolai Volkov has one of my favorite moments in pro wrestling. Um, I don't know how familiar anybody is regret with Ryan Zane on YouTube. But uh, anyways, so he does like reviews or whatever, and he does these reviews of these videos that he got like at Walmart or something, like at the dollar bin. And it was apparently a Jewish wrestling event where they had a guy dress up and called him the Mighty Maccabee. But anyways, um, Nick Volkov is there, and he starts singing the Russian National Anthem, right? Doing his gimmick. And people start kind of like booing, get bored with it, and all of a sudden he kicks into the fucking Jewish cheer dance song. The Hanada Gila? Send it to you guys because oh my god, it's so fucking good. (laughs) 
And you know what? That's what I was about to. That's what I was going to say. Is he was another guy. Aaron was talking about adding years to his career in the WWF. He was another guy that got it. Yeah. And the prime example is Karami Amai. Yeah. Karami Amai. It's funny. It's fantastic. And on the wrestling fucking tape or whatever, after it's done, it's like, this man's like, what the hell was that? Like, he doesn't say that. Like, oh yeah. My God. Oh, my God. Yeah. And um, one of his other best friends in the wrestling business was the Iron Sheik. And like I said, I don't know any of these people, never met any of these people, never been on the road with these people. But is there a more fucking um um like odd couple like imagining the Iron Sheik Nikolai Volkov. and Nikolai Volkov on the road together? Like oh like Nikolai's like, oh my god like hmm. Nikolai leading leading his clean life sending money back to his family and Sheik getting his hands on every pill and drug he can possibly get. <laughs> I bet it was fucking hysterical to see <laughs> Well, that is it for this week in the PWI 500. We got to 260, so we're almost halfway there. Once we get through this 500, Kyle, and you are more than welcome to join us and yeah. give oh, your nominees. There were a blinking on a pair. <laughs> but when we get done with this, the next episode after... We get done with however long it takes us to get through this will be the 2022 We Can't Wrestle Podcast Hall of Shame. Oh, yeah. Are we supposed to send you our inductees or not? Well, as soon, whenever you can, because this press is probably going to be a few more episodes. Well, I, didn't anyway. know if we were, I didn't know if we were supposed to send the inductees to make sure nobody repeated somebody or not. Because I have mine in my phone. You know, you, can, you know what we should do? in all honesty, is we should ever send in their nominees. Like what, what, like what, five or ten or whatever it is? We're doing uh, three. Okay. I did four. Okay, that's fine. The, the Hall of Shame's my thing. So <laughs> so, but everyone should send in theirs, and then we should all vote on who we think should make the list. Ooh. It's a twist. Well, we'll take that into consideration. Maybe. But Kyle, you have to unmute the chat so you can see it. Because I don't think you can see the chat, the admin chat right now. Maybe I can't. <laughs> Dude, I am. Because like Aaron said, you died for seven years. So Look, I'm going to be honest with you. Wholeheartedly. It's like Paul McCartney. Everybody thinks you're dead. I, yeah, it's true. I just come up with a fucking CD cover with the fucking hidden messages and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm honest with you. I it probably got turned off and I have no fucking idea how to turn it back on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, well, I, that's my job. I will figure that out to get you back in there. But it has been a pleasure to have Kyle back on the show. It has been a pleasure to have the originals. Well, it's like uh, like Hall, Nash, and Hogan. You know, it's the original NWO with <laughs> with no 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 disrespect, Archie, <laughs> but with no Michael Wall Street. 
Well, Archie's, not, Archie's not Michael Walsh. I know. No, he, I think he'd be the Ted DiBiase. Hmm. Trillionaire Arch. I like it. He, he'll get it. He'll think it's funny anyway. Yes, he will. But it has been great to have you on the show, Kyle. Does that mean I'm going to die soon? Because I'm probably Scott Hall. Jesus Christ. No, yeah. I'm. I'll die before you. I got the diabetes. Just yeah. whatever, whatever you do, don't fucking break. <laughs> yeah, said, yeah. Not meaning that that way. <laughs> just crash. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're the, you're the fucking mad dog Vashon of the group. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have a, pa- a fake leg. <laughs> Kyle's like, Jesus Christ, what did I step back into? Yeah. Oh. Step back with no foot. Um <laughs> This is this is a funny story. Cause I <laughs> and and we you can end the show and then I'll tell you what I what I said. Or I can leave it on here if you want. I don't care. Go right ahead. Um I was off Memorial Day weekend. Like I had it off, so like sweet. I'm off Memorial Day weekend. Um, and I went to go to the addition, which is a bar and grill in town. If you guys don't know what that is, it's kind of a fancier place or whatever. I was like, oh, I'm going to go there and get some, some mid afternoon drinks in. And they were closed. I was like, fuck. But the black Angus is right across the street. I never go in there. So I go in there and I'm like, I guess I'll drink in here. <laughs> And um, I got like eight beers in and the bartender was doing a good job. She kept bringing me drinks like, boom. She's like, she could tell when I was done, brought me a beer, brought me a beer, brought me a beer. This this chick's doing a good job. She's going to get like a $10 tip. And she was like, hey, man. I was like, yeah. She goes, we're closing soon, but I've been watching your um, cadence of drinking. And I think you get two more in before we close if you want and i said nah i'm good i gotta go pick up my kids <laughs> i just oh, got I walked out <laughs> and, I, and i told this to a buddy at work and he goes are you ever gonna go back there again i said yeah and he goes what, what what are you gonna say the next time you go in i'm like i'll, I'll just drink and then she's like do you need do, do you need another one? And then I'll just be like, nope, gotta go to my kid's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and my buddy was like, I didn't know you were so dark. Brought the hyper and it's always sunny. Like, oh you got kids? I had them. <laughs> 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 well, this has been truly a pleasure this week. You can edit that out. That pissed off fifteen dollars. I love you guys. All right, Aaron. Any parting words for our listeners this week? Nope. Just thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it. Remember, listen to get on and listen to the Reliving the Extreme. If you like this, you're gonna love that. And 
all the other shows and I just appreciate all 10 of you that are listening. Kyle, any parting words for your listeners? All I'm going to say is it's great to be back. Um, if you know anybody who is an artist or musician, podcast, doesn't matter. It, takes, it costs nothing to support them and believe. Yes. So yes. we're all in this together, man. Like Everybody has their things they want to do. So let's fucking support each other. Absolutely. And and that is that is one of my themes uh, just since I since I started or I guess I say stopped shitting on things I don't like in wrestling. I'm just using wrestling as an example, but music, art, whatever. Uh, like I've said a few times, I don't like Kenny Omega, so now I just don't watch Kenny Omega. Right. You know, and that's my thing. And I'm not saying we never joke and we never diss on Brutus Beefcake or whatever. You know what I mean? But what I'm saying is, like Kyle said, it's it, it, the most important thing is to lift people up. You know, if you, if you support something, if you love this show, tell people you love this show. If you, you know? don't like the show, just don't fucking listen to it. Yes, exactly. Just lift up what you like and don't pay attention to what you don't like. It's that simple. Yeah. Life is short, man. And and that's the thing. You and know, it's my biggest thing is enough of the fucking gatekeeping and stuff. You know what? If this person likes this, if you know what? It's chocolate and vanilla. I'm not gonna be mad at you if you like chocolate. I don't want the chocolate, I want vanilla, but what you know yeah and if you want the strawberry get the fucking strawberry you want the snozberries they taste like snozberries we all love the fact that it's ice cream we all love the fact that it's wrestling yes so and and my parting words are first aaron thank you brother you're welcome and kyle it has been a pleasure to have you back on the show it's it's been great, man. I, I'm glad to be back. Like I said, um, my goal is to be back uh, from here on out and actually be back into this stuff. So things can and, kind of settle down. And uh, we missed you, but we never forgot you. <laughs> and I, and uh, we are happy to have you back in the fold. And um, and Archie Mitchell, I'm coming for you, man. Oh oh my, Archie, I'm coming for you, brother. <laughs> He's trying to take your spot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you for joining us this week on the Weekend Wrestle Podcast, and we will see you next week as we continue going through the inaugural PWI 500. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Can't Wrestle Podcast is a production of Max and Out Media, all rights reserved.